This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. If you guys want to start a podcast that includes music or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Real Real Podcast with Natalie Barbu. Instagram might be your highlight reel, but we're here to talk about the real real. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Sam. Sam is actually the assistant to the editor-in-chief at Cosmopolitan Magazine, more known as Cosmo. I don't know about you guys, but Cosmo was one of those magazines where I would sneak it like into my mom's grocery cart at the grocery store or I would kind of like flip it over and be like, can you, can I like buy this magazine? Because it was one of those magazines that was a little bit more mature, I would say for my age, but I always loved it. I always just loved like the articles that they had in it, the people on the cover. I just really was one of those people that was super into magazines. If you guys didn't know, I used to be a huge fan of Seventeen Magazine and I was actually in a few issues on their style council when I was like 15 years old. I was so young uh, and it was just like the best, the best years of my life, I feel like. No, I'm kidding about that, but it was just a really, really cool experience. Um, and that was also when I fell in love with New York. So like magazines to me always had kind of a special place in my heart because I always dreamed of working for a magazine in New York City. That was actually one of my huge goals. I remember telling people that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for a magazine. I remember even doing this geometry project where we had to like make something and include all these geometrical terms and shapes and I don't even know like all these different things in our project and it was like our final project for the end of the year and I made mine into a magazine. I did literally a geometry magazine and I had Jennifer Aniston on the cover and her name was Jennifer Angleton because you know angles geometry like that was literally my project it was because I was obsessed with magazines I wanted to create one myself I had so many things online about like creating magazines and I tried like making them myself so I like just this has a special place in my heart it was it's it's definitely one of my favorites um so Sam is just amazing she not only has such a good relationship with her boss which is the editor-in-chief of Cosmo but she just has such a great way of explaining how she got to where she is she's so ambitious she is one of the people that I think networks harder than like anyone I've ever seen she is such a go-getter hustler like you will be so inspired by this story. Um, I found her through social media. She has like an online store. She has her own Instagram and her own personal brand. She works at this amazing company, has such a cool position, and is just a really nice person. And it was so nice just sitting down and talking to her. So I really, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I know that you guys will enjoy this episode and I'm really excited for you to hear it. So thank you again for also for all the kind reviews and I am so excited for you to listen to this and let's get into the podcast. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. 
Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Waze new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to have you on and talk all about your job and how you got it and just learn more about you. Me too. And sorry in advance if you are hearing car horns at my window. That is just where I'm at right now. No, you're good. I always have like the sirens in the distance and I'm like, it's New York. It's in background. It's it's part of the aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Um, So we're just going to start with setting the record straight. This is just some assumptions. You're going to tell me if they're true or false. Let me know your thoughts on them and let's just get into it. So the first one is your position at Cosmo is like being Anne Hathaway in Devil Wears Prada. False. And I knew you were going to say that. I get it every single time I talk about my job and I feel like I, I spend so much time combating that like predisposition. Everyone thinks it's like crazy and my boss is horrible and I have to be like, she's literally my best friend. That's so nice though, because that movie definitely, I feel like makes you think that all fashion magazines are like that, especially in New York. So Mm -hmm. that's nice that it's like not all of them are like that. Totally. And the next one is one of the most important things about getting a job at your dream company is networking. True. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think networking is like one of the biggest things to use your connections and to actually meet people like or use who you know, and then also put yourself out there. Totally agree. And it's all about, you know, not just sending them a message on LinkedIn. It's about like, you know, offering yourself to, you know, work with them or something, giving them contributing to what they're doing or offering um, whatever way you can make an impact, offering that up to them in the first place. I think that really creates meaningful relationships, not just, you know, a message that's going to get lost in their inbox. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. I think it's all about connections and personal relationships way more than just like a DM or a quick email. (laughs) (laughs) And the next one is an engaged audience is way more important than a high number of followers. True. I always say that. I think that I think engagement is by far the most important metric you should use when judging the success of your socials. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like a lot of people judge someone by followers, like, oh, wow, she has so many followers. But if you actually look at who is supporting her, who is engaging with her content, who is actually commenting, if it's not that many, like that, I feel like shows more than, oh, you just have like a million followers. Totally agree. Yeah. And now just tell us more about you and like how you got started before Cosmo. Like what was your dream job? What did you do when you were younger? Oh, okay. Well, I have known what I wanted to be when I grew up since practically birth. It was always the editor-in-chief of Cosmo, which is why it's so funny that I literally am all over our editor-in-chief every day now. Um, you know, I always kind of joke, kind of not, that it all started when my mom took me to see The Devil Wears Prada. Um, I was only seven or eight years old at the time, so she and my dad actually screened it that like the night before to make sure it was appropriate for my age That's group. so funny. Um, yeah, they had like date nights, and they used their date night to go screen that movie for me. That's love. So yeah. <laughs> um, that was kind of the start of it all. I literally walked out of the movie theater, and I said to my mom, I want to be the editor-in-chief of magazine. Um, so in high school, I was constantly getting involved in new things and some relevant extracurriculars that come to mind are acting, dancing, singing. I was, I was always a performer. Um, and that's really how I first got involved in media. So I started taking relevant classes. And then in college, I declared my major and minor on day one, journalism major, multimedia authoring minor, um, worked through my credits and I graduated a semester early, um, throughout my time in undergrad and, you know, and in high school, actually, I really prioritized internships. Um, I knew the best way to learn and the best way to build a network was to start getting some industry experience under my belt. Um, so all of that is to say that today I'm a content creator on multiple social platforms. I'm a business owner, a digital marketing specialist, a freelance consultant. What am I missing? Oh, my actual job. <laughs> you have so much. into the editor-in-chief of Cosmo. Um, but I really, you know, I really do credit you know, all of those things I did in high school and college, all the networking, all the internships, um, you know, all of that kind of culminated in all these things I do today. And when so many people are like, how did you get your dream job? It's not, and it's not a quick and easy answer, you know, and I don't think that is for anybody, but um, it's especially true, I think, in this day and age when you're, you know, the industries we're trying to work in are so competitive and everyone wants the same job. So um, there's a lot that goes into making yourself stand out amongst the other applicants and um, a lot that goes into being really kick-ass at it once you get there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's so funny that you wanted to be an editor-in-chief from like day one because that's such like, um, I don't want, like it's a grown-up job, you know? So when yeah. you're seven, to be like, I want to be the editor-in-chief of a magazine. Normally it's like- it's like. Yeah, I had no idea what went into it. I just like yeah. Miranda Priestley, like glam. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. So were was your goal always to work at Cosmo? Like even when you got older, even when you were in college, were you like, that's the job I'm going to apply for? Did you get an internship there? Totally. So I didn't intern at Cosmo, um, which, you know, I now run the internship program, which is why it all like really does come full circle. But um, I started reading Cosmo when I was very young. Um you know, always sneaking it like behind my mom's back at the grocery store or something like silly like that. But the thing I really always loved about Cosmo, which I talk about all the time, is that it made all of these really intimidating issues really accessible. I was a kid, right? And I was like, you know, if I if I went on the internet and started trying to teach myself politics, I'd be lost in this like spider web of like confusing information in five seconds. And, you know, who are you going to talk to? Like, you're going to ask your mom about like blowjobs and stuff? Yeah. That's not at least not like not right away so um you know there were all these like intimidating things where you know I really feel like I turned to Cosmo for that kind of stuff and Cosmo makes all of those things really accessible in a lot of different ways right it's like a conversational tone they're they're speaking to real women as sources they're having they're having real women try on Kim Kardashian shapewear and videos like it's really relatable um, and I think there are a lot of really accessible entry points for that kind of information so uh, for me it's always been Cosmo because my mo in everything I do is you know, to connect really deeply and really meaningfully with my followers, with my readers, whatever it is. Um, and I feel like Cosmo really shares those values. And, you know, now that I'm there, I see it in everything we do. Our priority is 
always our reader in everything we do, we consider the reader first. So um, it turned out to be, I was right, which is, thank God. Um, <laughs> I spent years and years thinking that it would be so very embarrassing to be wrong after all that. But um, that really is kind of our MO over there. And it really kind of solidified in my mind that I had made the right decision because our values line up really really perfectly. Yeah. So this kind of remind, I keep relating it to like media because that's all I know about magazines, but, um, do you watch the bold type? I have seen a couple of episodes. We have some diehard fans in the office and it's, um, like our, the executive producer of the show is the former editor in chief of Cosmo, Joanna Coles. Oh, so it's really? actually okay. like based on, I think on Cosmo. That's so funny. Cause I was like, it sounds more like that where it's like a supportive team, a supportive office, a supportive boss. And someone that actually cares about the reader, like at not just about like, I don't know, like the politics of it all, you know, it's more about like who the reader is. And I feel like that's awesome that Cosmos stands by that still. So I think that's really cool. I was also always one of those girls that would sneak the magazine behind my mom because I was like, not be. I don't want her to see that I'm reading this. Thing. And then, you know, and then you're 23 and you're like, you're like, mom, I read this crazy story about blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) And you do have a variety of different jobs. Like you mentioned so many. So how did you get started in those? And was that like before you got this job at Cosmo? Were you starting this like in high school? Or how did you kind of just decide to be your own boss in that? So I started creating content on Instagram, like kind of accidentally in college. Um, I was, I had a private account. I had like, I don't know, 1500 followers or something at the time, which, you know, back then it was like 2015. Instagram was still kind of like new and like not something that was so pervasive in our society. So, um, you know, not everybody even really like had Instagram yet, which is so weird to think about now, but um, I had a private account and I just used it for like friends and family and whatever. Um, And one of my friends like submitted a photo of me to total frat move, which is like the most embarrassing thing. I literally still cringe when I tell this story. I'm like, there's no way I'm giving credit to total frat move. But, um, so they, they, whatever, submitted a picture of me and long story short, the like effect it had on my profile was a bunch of like random dudes like try to follow right. me on Instagram. And it wasn't about that. The, I think what really like the trigger was for the rest of it was um, every time I opened my phone, I, there were so many requests that it would like, you know, Instagram would like freeze and like freak out and like go black. And I would be like, okay, I'm screwed. So instead of going through and trying to accept and decline requests, I just went public, which automatically accepts your followers um, or your requests. So um, I think that is really kind of what started it all because before then I was really private about social media. I used it really like personally. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you go public, it, gives everybody else access to your profile, all these strangers. And uh, for better or worse, that turned into more and more followers. Um, I think, you know, the first like collaboration I did was this girl from a couple towns over like DM'd me and she was like, can I send you a necklace? And like, you'll post a picture in it. And I was like, you'll send it to me for free? Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. She was like, all you have to do is just like tag us. And I was like, okay. So I did. And then, you know, people started following me because they were seeing like discount codes. They were like, I can get 10% off on something just by following you on Instagram. Like I'm going to do it. It was still kind of foreign back then. And so, um, I think, you know, people kept coming back for that kind of stuff. And then, you know, by the time I was a junior, two years later, I had like 57,000 followers and I was in way over my head with like all this stuff. But I had also learned a lot about it. I had learned a lot of business principles and um, kind of how to be my own boss, like you said. So um, then when I was graduating, I, you know, saw the job listing for the position at Cosmo. I was applying for it. And I said to my mom, I just spent 22 years of my life prepared, or 21 at the time, 20 one years of my life preparing for this moment and thinking about and dreaming about this moment, it will be so devastating if I don't get it. But like, like, what do I do if I don't get it? And she was like, honestly, you put literally everything on the table. Like you have, you can't have any regrets. You did everything you could. You didn't, you know, leave anything out or leave anything behind. So you cannot feel bad about it. If you don't get it, they were just looking for something else and that's out of your control. So I was like, okay, but like at the very least, I'm going to be bored. Like I can't sit still. Like I need, I'm always like doing stuff. And she, um, you know, we went back and forth for hours for like a whole day. And then kind of at the end of that day, she was like, 
what if you sell clothes? And I was like, what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, like make clothes? And she was like, you don't know how to do that. And I was like, I know, that's why I'm like, what? Like, she was like, I mean, you know, I, a lot of your followers follow you because they like what you wear. I feel like, you know, the next step of that is kind of like giving them clothes they can wear. And I was like, that's genius. <laughs> I was yeah. like, very Go smart mom, lady, mom. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, it just, I, you know, after a little bit more discussion, it, it really did feel like a very organic extension of what I was already doing and what I was already delivering to my followers. So we started the business kind of on the premise that like, if I don't get the job at Cosmo, I'll do this and this will be my job. Then I got the job at Cosmo and I was like, okay. So I was like, now I'm really invested in this boutique. I'm really invested in my content career and now I have a full-time job. So I guess I'm just going to do them all because I can't give anything up. I'm like a hoarder when it comes to like doing stuff. So I started doing all those things and then I found myself spending hours a day responding to DMs and like emails and that kind of stuff of just people asking for advice. And I was like, I literally spent all of my personal time for maybe six months, like trying to help people with their careers in my DMs. And mm -hmm. it was really becoming a stressor for me, which I was not used to because it really is something that I'm so passionate about, helping people kind of go be their own bosses. Um, and I was like saying to my mom, it's so weird that it, that this stresses me out. I, do, I love it so much. Like, why does it feel like this? And she was like, because this is time that you would normally use as personal time. You'd be sleeping. It's 4 a.m. Like stop DMing someone about like how to get an internship. Like, like you need to spend some time on yourself. Um, and that is kind of how, you know, I took that next step into freelance consulting um, and, you know, charging for my time simply because of the fact that I needed to manage the volume of what was happening. Um, and that's kind of how it all started. And that's kind of where we're at with it now. And, you know, every day it feels like we're adding something new or <laughs> expanding upon something. And uh, sometimes it feels like a lot, but it's all stuff I really love and I really care about. So it's totally worth it. Yeah. And I mean, everything that you're doing, you are passionate about, you know, like it's something that stems from passion, which I think is really important. Like even your corporate job is like a passion of yours. You've always wanted to do it. So I think that's actually really awesome that you do just go for it. Like you're not like, I feel like, are you a very impulsive person where you'll just like jump in and like go for it? <laughs> um, yes and no. Like yeah. the, I, I, I don't think I've ever said no to something. So right. in that sense, yes, totally. But I'm also a total planner, a total control freak. Like I love to like you know, know what's going to happen in advance. And it's something I'm starting to learn to let go of, especially during quarantine when the unexpected is coming at me once a week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would say down, not impulsive, always down, but I need a little bit of lead time to prep. Okay. I like that. I like that instead. <laughs> And I mean, with your socials, you were saying you kept getting DMs and you were always responding to them. Do you think that helped you grow your following? Because I know in the beginning you're saying like the picture on Total Frat Move really kind of like sparked it. So that's kind of like a, a random by chance. But you were saying you learned about the business. You started interacting with people. That's how you kept your following. That's how you kept adding new people. You know, that like one photo that was reposted of you might have helped. But like that's not why you are where you are today. So do you think that has helped the most, like you being engaged with your audience? Totally. I think that is, you know, that's the majority of why anyone is successful on social media. I really do think um, it can't be a one-sided conversation where I am spewing content at people. Um, if I'm not asking them what they want to see, then who knows if what I'm putting out there is really what they want to see. Um, you know, and, and the more I talk to my followers, the more I talk to my readers, whoever it is that I'm engaging with on whatever platform, the more I learn about what they care about. And that is kind of the root of performance analytics, right? It's, that's why data and, and analytics are so important when you're growing social media, because, um, you know, it, it's a question and answer. It's not a one-sided conversation. And I really do think engaging with your followers and showing them that you care about what they want um, and that you're not just listening to them, but then delivering on it. I think that's what keeps people coming back. It's what brings new people in because um, they know they're not just going to follow like, 
someone who posts like whatever it is, like bikini pics all day or something. Right. They're, they're following somebody who's going to contribute meaningful things to their lives, to their careers, to whatever it is. Um, and I think, I think that's really the root of kind of where they all come from. Yeah, it sounds a lot like what you loved about Cosmo when you were younger is like what you're putting out on your own socials. Like you're providing value in a very relatable way. You're like talking back. You care about your followers. Like it sounds like exactly like how you viewed Cosmo when you were younger is how you're you like how your followers probably view you. Totally. And awesome. the same way that Cosmo is like a big sister, like giving advice to all these girls like around the world. Like that's kind of how I felt about it in a lot of ways, but most recently in a business way, right? Like, you know, I have learned so much from the team at Cosmo, from the content at Cosmo, from the readers of Cosmo about what makes good content and what makes good creators and what makes good a good magazine and a good business. Um, and I really, you know, every time I learn something from wherever I learn it, I kind of take it and I store it away and I use it in everything I do. Um, and so it really has been so valuable in unprecedented ways to have uh, to be learning from the team at Cosmo and from the readers at Cosmo. Yeah, yeah, no, I to I can totally see that. And how has your day today like changed now since being in COVID? How what is a typical like day in your life? It, like there's never been a typical day in my yeah. life. I feel like ever in the history of forever. Um, you know, I think if you think everyone was glued to their phones and laptops before COVID, it's a whole different beast now, right? Um, because there's nowhere to go, no one to see, nothing, nothing in the real world at least to do. Everyone's relying on technology for everything. That's um, so true. You know, like all the normal stuff, but now also just like to communicate in the most basic way in, instead of how we would typically communicate in real life. Um, so all of my jobs, you know, all of which are rooted in digital and technology have picked up speed in an insane volume because now we have to keep up with a higher than normal demand for digital content in unprecedented volumes. I never even thought of it that way. Yeah. How like everyone like your is job has probably started like, yeah. Right? yeah. And, and I feel like I'm literally on my phone all day long, like, or on my laptop. Like there's no time when I'm not, because I'm not like commuting anywhere. I'm not meeting up with someone. All my meetings are on zoom. So I can't get away from a screen which is actually, or if, even in my downtime, I'm like watching Netflix because what else I am I going to do? I can't. There's nothing else to do. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, I think the truth is we already spent all this time, you know, on digital, but it was mostly to, you know, whatever, cure boredom, get news, that kind of stuff. But now like, if you're a people person, which I assume you are, because I definitely am. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in our industry just are inherently people, people like I can't be alone all day. I can't be sitting in my apartment, not hearing someone else's voice all day. So if I didn't spend all my time on a screen, then I wouldn't hear other voices. I wouldn't have that kind of interaction that I literally thrive on. That's why um, part of why COVID has been so hard on, I think a lot of content creators, because we are so used to um, our happy place, our productive place, um, the place where we thrive the most is when we're surrounded by other creative people, other ambitious people. And, um, you know, you can't do that in real life anymore. So we have to rely on technology. Right, right. No, I, I never thought of it that way, but that is really true. But it is good. I think that like both of our jobs are on computers. Like what that to me, I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful that I'm kind of used to working digitally. I'm used to working remotely. Has Cosmo been different working remotely or is it kind of the same? Like how have you guys pivoted in that? We have definitely, it was a, it was a hairpin turn. Um, we, you know, everything we do is on computers, which is very lucky. Even making the print magazine, we use computers. We do, um, you know, in real life use paper as well, like literally walking pieces of paper to each other in the office, which everyone's like, you do what? Yeah. Um, but we do that. And so, um, luckily there are a lot of ways to do it on the computer and pretty much everything else we do is on the computer. But, um, you know, one of my favorite things about working at Cosmo is that we have this, you know, just really excellent and diverse and brilliant and like hysterical group of brains in the room at all times. Um, and so you are constantly surrounded by this intelligent and exciting and fun energy. 
And, um, you know, I really thrive in that kind of space. But also when we all put our brains together, when we're in the same room, we crack each other up. We come up with the best ideas we've ever had. And it's because we're not isolated in a room by ourselves with a blank wall to bounce off of. Mm -hmm. We have, um, you know, another really great brain right in front of us who uh, compounds on that idea and makes that idea better. And then someone else who comes in and sees it from a different perspective. And I think all of that energy is such a rare thing. And um, it's something that at Cosmo, I treasure so much. And of course there's Zoom and whatever, but you really miss being with those people in real life because they become your friends. They become your family. I spend more time with those people than I do anyone else because, you know, eight to 10 hours a day in an office, like we're really going for it. And so- totally. Like it's, it's hard to miss them like that. Um, but you know, the truth is we have been, I, I have to say, I am so wildly proud of the team because the volume of digital content we are putting out and also like the meaningfulness of all mm -hmm. of it. Um, there's been a lot of really important coverage and a lot of really important reporting and um, investigating that I think has really changed people's lives. And it is so cool to be a part of that in a moment like this when there's so much uncertainty and everything is evolving so rapidly and like you don't know what the landscape is going to look like tomorrow but um you know instead of kind of catching up and reporting on what's going on i feel like cosmos really creating the landscape we're really ahead of that charge and so it it really is amazing to be a part of a team that is so forward thinking that um isn't just letting things happen to them they're making things happen Right. And you do work directly with the editor-in-chief of Cosmo. And I know that you have spoken so highly of her, but what's that like working with someone who has such a powerful position that kind of makes these conversations happen? And how, how is that? Um, it's, it's a dream. And yeah. she, um, Jess and I are very close. I would literally take a bullet for her. Um, she's not, you know, she's not just my boss. She exists somewhere at this weird intersection of like big sister, mom, best friend, boss, mentor. Like I value our relationship so much and I really am grateful for it every single day. There's um, something so special about the bond the level of trust between a boss and her assistant. And, um, you know, we talked about how a lot of people, the first thing they ask me is, is it like the devil wears Prada? Yeah. And, and like, the answer is no. I mean, I mean, at the end, right? Like Andy becomes best friends with Miranda, but um, the truth is from day one, Jess has made me feel not just really supported, but also really important. And like, really, she really encourages like, you know, I don't, I'm not just someone who's managing her calendar. I'm also, you know, someone who's writing stories and creating meaningful content for the reader. And, you know, my opinion is valued just as much as someone who's been there for 10 years. Um, and I think that's something that Jess and all of Hearst actually do really well is um, when they hire people, they hire people who they trust to create content with them. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of micromanaging. There's not a lot of, you know, do this, do that. There's a lot of creative agency um, where we are. And I really do feel like, you know, when you have an idea, it's heard and it's embraced and it's workshopped. And, you know, you never kind of speak something and it falls flat. If you speak something, you immediately speak it into existence. And that is totally the work of Jess and also Hearst, just creating an environment where you feel safe doing that. But then also like everyone else like wants to get in on it. They'll never leave you hanging. Like you'll never say something and not get a laugh or like an, an, a spitball like out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really do think Jess has done a really great job fostering that kind of environment for me and for everyone else. And, um, you know, that just really speaks volumes about her character and her as a person. And I think it helps her build relationships where she gets this close to people. Yeah. And I think everything you described is a great leader, you know, so it's wherever even you like with your consultations with the people that you work with on all of your other side hustles and all your other jobs, you know, that is just what a great leader is. You know, like I think that the, the scary boss that's like tells you to fetch her coffee is not someone that you should aspire to be. Right. And it's not somebody you feel safe, you know, right. to. And I think, you know, part of the reason we're creating content that we're so proud of at Cosmo is because we are allowed to 
participate wholly in it. And we are, um, we really are the people creating it. It's, you know, it's 90% of the time idea eating instead of being assigned something to do. Um, and I really do think it's, it all feeds back into this environment she has created of um, kind of mutual support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how are, what are your tips right now for networking during COVID? Because I know that that is something, I mean, you can't, like we said, you can't just go and grab a coffee with someone <laughs> and you can't go into an in-person networking event. Like how have you noticed the networking landscape shift and what are some of your tips to how people get recognized? Like you said, you were run the internship um, at Cosmo. Like mm-hmm. how has that been during right now? You know, like there's so much that I feel like has changed and you guys have had to pivot so quickly. Yeah, so quickly. Um, you know, the the in terms of like being a manager right now, I can, you know, I can vouch that it's a really hard time to manage a team. Um, I really love my that part of my position where I manage the internship program because um, I really feel like it's a great, you can only learn how to become a good leader if you start leading. Um, and so it's really cool to be able to lead and manage in a corporate setting for the first time. Um, and, you know, we really have wonderful interns um, and we're very lucky to have them. And they are, they themselves are flexible and adaptable, which has made my job a lot easier. But, uh, you know, again, one of the things I really care so much about is like meeting people, building relationships. And it feels a lot harder to do that when you're talking to someone through a screen. Um right you know, you don't feel like you know them in the same way. You don't feel like you have the relationship you would have if you were spending eight hours a day sitting next to each other in an office. So um, I feel lucky that we have people helping us out at all because we have such a high volume of stuff to do. Um, But it really has been a learning curve. And, you know, I think it's a really valuable time for everybody to kind of take note of the way things are shifting and the way they're reacting to them, the way they're responding to them, the way they're adapting to them, because that is indicative of your ability to change or to, you know, to kind of go with the flow in such a rapidly evolving environment. Um, But in terms of like networking tips, like now is the time to reach out to that guy your mom introduced you to that one time, um, or like that professor or whose daughter has a cool job in the industry, um, or your old supervisor from a former internship, you know, um, taking advantage of the connections you do have is so important right now. Um, you know, get on the phone with them or, you know, find a way to get into a conversation where you can ask them questions and then do the smartest thing that anyone's ever told me to do, which is at the end of all your questions, say something about how you want to be respectful of their time. So, you know, you have one last question and then ask them if there's anyone else they recommend you speak with. Oh, that's good. So smart, right? I like never would have thought of that on my own, so I can't take credit. But, um, you know, if you keep up the pace, then you'll work your way closer and closer to the person and therefore the job that you really want ultimately. Um, yeah. And then once you're there, just impress the shit out of them like, yeah. and do all the stuff that, you know, you've been preparing for for your entire life. But um, I think the smartest piece of advice I ever got was to use that as your last question because they will connect you to someone even closer to your goal. And then that person will connect you to someone even closer. And before you know it, you're talking to the editor in chief of Cosmo. And if you get in that room and you make a really good impression, then, um, you know, you're, you're really well positioned to get what you want. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I actually was on a phone call today with a friend, but she like has her own business and we were just chatting and she was asking me about how my like agency is going. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's going like, whatever, like reaching out to people. And at the end of our conversation, she's like, I have three people that I want you to talk to and just sent me three contacts, you know, and network (laughs) just like that, you know, and I didn't ask her like, Oh, do you have anyone in mind? But the fact that she thought of me to do that. And also I guarantee if, even if she didn't tell me, if I had asked her, Hey, do you have anyone in mind that I should speak to? She would have come up with those three people. So like, you're so right that people are so willing to connect you to like, I feel like I am always connecting my friends and I have no issue doing it. So I shouldn't feel like, oh, it's annoying if I ask someone because people are really willing. You know, I think there's something to be said for, you know, when you're 
hiring people. Um, I always say this to, you know, my clients who are like, you know, how do I kill an interview? Like, how do I ace an interview? Like they want to hire you. It makes their job easier if you're the one, right? Like they're sitting here talking to you. If at the end of this, they're like, okay, my job is done. Like that's what they want out of this. They don't want to be hunting for years and years. So, um, you know, these people really do want you to succeed and they really do want to help you. So, um, and you know, it's not, all the time that you get something that you don't ask for, right? Um, like shout out to your friend for being a bad bitch. And yeah. you know, I kind of I know you do, and I harbor that same mentality of like I want to connect everyone I know and like help them achieve what they want to achieve. But um, you know, if you don't know the person, you're not always necessarily going to say like, oh, I think you should talk to this person. Um, but you know, if you go ahead and ask that question, it makes them think like it's like, oh, you know, who would be a good person for them to talk to, and then just by way of connecting you, you let, you become that much closer to your end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really am a strong believer in like, you don't always get things that you don't ask for. So there's no shame in asking, especially a question like that, where, you know, it's not a burden. It's not like, you know, I want you to put in a good word for me. It's right. not like that. It's just, is there anyone else that you think would be really smart from like person for me to talk to? And nine times out of 10, the person's going to be like, actually, yeah, I do. And, you know, on the off chance that they're like, you know, not off the top of my head, then you can say something like, okay, great. Like if you think of anyone down the road, just let me know. And um, I really do think it gets you a lot farther than you think it's going to. And, you know, it surprises me every time how far you can get just by getting on the phone with someone and asking that question. Yeah, no, you're so right. I like love that you said that because I never would have thought of it. So I'm glad that you did. So I know it's going to help so many people listening to this. I so, so. Uh, And then what is something that you use to plan like a technical tool? What is your favorite app? Because you literally do it all. So I need to know, like, how do you plan your life? (laughs) Oh my God. I have so many different ways, but first of all, I am like an obsessive planner girl. I literally like paper planners. I love to write things down with a pen. I, maybe it's like the journalist in me or whatever, but it has been like a lifelong pursuit. I, um, have this, it's actually kind of a funny story. I have this planner. I, it's like in the other room, so I don't want to get up and like <laughs> for it. But it's this little black journal called the Productivity Planner, and you can get it at like Anthropology, Urban Outfitters. I think it's like a URBN product. Um, and if you open it up, there are it's like split up by, um, like the page is split up into priority sections. So there's like stuff that needs to get done right now, stuff that needs to get done today, stuff that needs to get done this week, and you write down the task on each line, whatever. And then there are little bubbles next to it. And each bubble indicates a 25 minute increment of time. And you write down how many bubbles you think it'll take you to get that thing done. So if I think it'll take me 50 minutes, you fill in two bubbles. Then at the end of that task, you fill in how many bubbles it actually took you to get it done. So say I estimated 50, but it takes me 75. Then I write like, I estimated two bubbles, but I got three bubbles. It really, like over time, you will start to really understand the value of your time and also understand kind of the level of commitment that each item takes, each action item. Um, And you really start to become more self-aware about the way you use time. And I am like psychotically organized. So I use mine, like everything's perfect. Like I use a pen, but I've never, I don't think I've ever like scribbled something out, you know, like (laughs) like that. Um, And actually when I was in my interview with Jess, I brought it because it's always in my bag. Like it's just always on my person. And um, we were talking about like, she asked me a question or something. She was like, so you seem really organized. Like, obviously that's a really important part of this job, right? Like you're going to manage your own life, but you also kind of have to help manage mine. And on top of that, you have to balance it with, um, you know, writing stories for the magazine, creating content, like all this other stuff that I had like committed to doing. And so I'm sitting there in the interview and I'm like, how do I prove to her that I'm like the most insanely organized person I know? And then I was like, my planner. So (laughs) I whip out my planner and I literally opened it up and slid it across the desk to her. And she was like, (laughs) and I was like, I know (laughs) I was like, is this good? Like, what do you think? And she was like, 
you color coded it and I was like exactly and that was like it I was like sold um (laughs) I always like joke about that moment with my mom because she's always like will you put your planner away we're at dinner I'm like listen mom girls gotta do right like this is not about you it's not about me it's bigger than both of us um (laughs) that's amazing you people should start bringing their planners to interviews (laughs) seriously if you have a gorgeous planner to look at like steal that from me I don't I've already used it and it worked so all yours no, that's awesome. I kind of do something similar, except on digital. So I used to use a paper planner, and now I just have to do everything digitally just because I am always moving things around. And totally. so I'm like, I have to be able to like move it around. But I actually, like the day before, typically, not every single day, but when I'm being good, the day before, I'll like plan out my entire next day, like hour by hour. Like literally, like I do that when too. I'm working out. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like when you're going to shower, literally yes. all of the dumbest things everything. I'm like, put makeup on here. I I vlog it off in the calendar. And then once the day is actually starting, I'll adjust for the timing. So like if my, whatever, like my email checking lasted a little bit shorter than I expected it to, I like drag it lower. So I actually start realizing how much time does this actually take me? And then I can readjust throughout the day. So it's really similar to that bubble thing, like Mm -hmm. the bubble for the productivity calendar. So mine's just digital. But I think I swear by that. I always tell people to do that because then you're not going to know how long things take you. Like you can always estimate, but like, unless you actually physically see it in a calendar, in a planner, you're not going to really know, you know? So I feel like that's such a good tactic to use. Totally. My, a lot of my followers will be able to vouch for this and they'll laugh hearing this story because I'm so similar in the sense that like, I literally write, wake up. Like, oh yeah. On, yeah. And it like feels so satisfying to like cross that off a list. Um, when I don't have my planner on me for like whatever, like, ungodly reason I might not have it I do it in my notes I'll like write everything out and then I'll just put an emoji next to something as I get it done and it's so nice throughout the day to like be able to look at that and be like okay six out of eight things done like let's get you know seven and eight like out of the way and it really really helps to like push through those last couple tasks yeah no we're the same (laughs) I love it let's trade planners sometime (laughs) yeah I think that's the best way to do a lot of different things you know like I feel like me and you both have kind of a bunch of things that we're doing and like without planning you just can't get it done true yeah uh and then the before we go I really want to just ask what is the biggest thing that you learned during quarantine you're full of advice you're full of you've shared Mm -hmm. so much so like what's something that you've just learned during quarantine during corona I, so far, it has been to accept and embrace small failures, um, or also big failures, just failures. Um, I spend, I think I I mentioned earlier and also for the last 45 minutes that I'm a total planner and I'm a total control freak. And so, you know, I really love to know what's coming and to know what's ahead of me and be able to prepare for it. Um, and I don't, I don't like to be blindsided. And I think nobody really loves the unknown, right? Like, the, you know, there's something different between spontaneous and like truly like daredevil level unknown but um you know coronavirus and you know everything that's going on right now has really it's all thrown a lot of curveballs my way and you know I think a lot of people can relate to that and so you really have to pivot fast and it's not always going to go exactly as planned there are going to be some failures there are going to be some things that don't work out the way you planned and um, because of my tendency to be a planner and like a control freak, I used to like freak out. Like, what are people going to think of me? This is embarrassing. Like if I fail, I'm going to be humiliated. And I think this whole quarantine thing has taught me not to be embarrassed about my failures to, um, you know, interpret them instead of as failures as a B testing. You know, I use that with content. Sometimes it's like post two different kinds of content type a and type B and whichever type works, do more of that. So say type a wins out, you do more type a, then you compare it to type C. If C does better, you start doing more C. Um, and so, you know, I have started calling my failures, my content B's. Um, you know, it didn't work out that well. So I'm going to like keep doing A and compare it to another new thing and try another new thing. And if that fails, then it's just another content type B and learning to, um, 
accept that and embrace it and take it in stride instead of dwelling on it and like feeling embarrassed about it and like worrying about what other people are going to think about it. That has been really valuable for me and has served me really well already in just like the couple of weeks I've started to kind of evolve that way. Um, And I really do think it has allowed me to grow out of those failures and like learn from them and build upon them instead of like shoving them under the rug and pretending they never happened. And I feel like I'm never going to make the same mistakes again because I'm really, um, you know, holding myself accountable to those failures and learning from them instead of just disappearing, you know, when it gets really hard. Right. I mean, I think that's so awesome that you title or not title, but that you think of them as like A-B testing because that is such a better way to view it. (laughs) And it's so true. Like a failure doesn't mean that you stop right there and that's it. You just try something different and there you go. Like every single person in life fails. Every single person in life has things that don't work out for them that they thought were going to be amazing. And then it's just total flop. Like every person in every business has had both of those. So I like comparing it more to A-B testing because in A-B testing, you never say it's like a failure. You're just like, oh, it's type B. Learning point. Learning point. (laughs) Yeah. No, I really, really love that. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for coming on my podcast. Before you go, where can they find you? Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to do the whole thing. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like 10 things. I'm like, (laughs) I got to remember them all. Um, Okay. I'm at Samantha Fair on Instagram. My website is samfair.com for consulting. It's just samfair.com slash consulting. You can find the boutique at shopthebrunchclub.com or at eatbrunchclub on Instagram. Uh, You can find my author page on Cosmo's website and... Uh, I think that's everything. I think I got I'll them all. I'll have everything listed. <laughs> okay, I'll have cool. everything in the show notes so they'll know where if to If I forgot it. something, I'll just email you after this. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again so much for coming on. I think this episode is going to help so many people. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is really my favorite thing to do. And again, it's all back to just your why and doing it, you know, for the people who need it and the people who want it. So I feel really grateful to be able to share my experiences and all the weird and helpful things I've learned along the way. How did you guys like the episode? Did you guys take notes? I feel like her networking tips were amazing. Her story is amazing. And she has inspired me so much. Like just listening to her talk in this podcast, just interviewing her, I get inspired like every time I hear it. So I just think she's such an awesome person. And you guys definitely need to check out all her stuff. She's super, super helpful, very responsive. And yeah, I just loved this episode. So I hope that you guys did as well. If you guys did like this episode, please be sure to give it five stars write in the Facebook page what you guys thought about this and I will see you guys in next week's episode of the real real podcast hey there my name is Renee Rena and I am the mom friend you have always wanted I am also the host of the mom room podcast we publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.